Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hello, everybody. This is Shane Claiborne, and I am so glad you could join me today. It's going to be a powerful conversation. I'm so excited about uh, my my friend and, and our guest today. Uh, her name is. Ebony Twilly Martin, and she is the co-executive director of Greenpeace and Greenpeace in the USA. But Greenpeace is a, a, a legendary organization, an international enterprise, uh, Sister Ebony. And uh, I'm so glad you could join me. Thanks for being here. Shane, thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here and to have this conversation with you. Yeah, and- so- I, I'm pumped. We're going we're gonna to talk about all kinds of stuff. And y'all might be thinking, Greenpeace, that's, you know, that, that's a, I, I didn't know that was a, uh, had any spiritual dynamic, but you're going to hear about this. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful historic organization, but Sister Ebony that is leading this is uh, fueled by her faith. And we're going to talk about that. But I think before we get there, um, Ebony, let's let's talk. Just give people a little bit more backdrop about Greenpeace, folks that don't know. It's fifty years old, right? It's in uh, fifty-five different countries. It's a. It seems like a, all kinds of different spin-off organizations that are all under the big umbrella, right? But give us a little sense of what Greenpeace is for folks that might not be real familiar with it. So yes, like you said, Greenpeace is the largest environmental campaigning organization in the entire world. We have offices in 55 countries, and um, we are an independent organization. And some of the things that sets us apart with that independence is, one, we don't take um, money from any governments or corporations. We are largely small donor funded, so we have um, a large base of people that actually propel our organization and keeps it going. Also, in terms of independence, we say we have um, no permanent friends or enemies. That means that that we uh, speak truth to power Mm. and uh, we, um, we work with the folks that do what science and justice demand at the moment. And so that's what uh, pulls us apart. And um, what, that's one of the things that actually attracted me to the organization. Um, as a child, my parents often joke, I was the one that asked questions. I wanted to know why things were a certain way. If something was unjust, I, you know, I, I had some questions about it. So um, coming to Greenpeace, I kind of found my people and uh, we speak truth to power together. And I think that's what makes the organization uh, so powerful. Yeah. And uh, before you were the co-executive director, you, you've been a part of this organization and I'm sure you've seen it sort of evolve and, uh, and change. I mean, but when, when I, when I met you, by the way, for the record, everybody, uh, 
Sister Ebony and I got to be together at this uh, sort of top secret gathering, wasn't it, Ebony, of, of uh, leaders in different organizations that are trying to combat white Christian nationalism. And uh, especially, uh, I mean, in the middle of our country right now, we, we see the, the latest fruit of that was the insurrection on January 6th, all the Jesus signs and the Confederate flag together, but this real distortion of our faith. And, um, and when I met you there, I was like, wow, Greenpeace has grown thumbs because you're, you're heading it up. But before you were, you know, in executive leadership, you've been a part of it. So talk a little bit about that and, and how you've seen it start, you know, shift and evolve over the years that you've been there. Yeah, so um, I actually um, came to Greenpeace. My, my journey in environmental activism began um, about 13 years ago when my oldest son was actually diagnosed with asthma. And I thought asthma was hereditary. And when I took him to the pediatrician, she actually asked, where do I live? And I said, you know, I live in an apartment building. And she said, well, uh, is there grass and trees around? And I mm. said, no, I, I live in the middle of two intersections, two highways. And so she said, it's probably the pollution from the cars and the exhaust that was causing his asthma. And so as I began to research, I learned that Black children are more disproportionately impacted by asthma. And that is a direct, well, one of the direct links from it is actually environmental pollution. Mm. So I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I have to do something because, you know, if your kid has a fever, the first thing you do is you go for Tylenol. But when your kid can't breathe, what do you do? And so I said, you know what, I have to figure out how we can start to reverse this trend. And so I uh, found a position at Greenpeace and my background is human resources and uh, recruitment, talent acquisition. And one of the missions Greenpeace was on at the moment was they wanted to be more reflective of the communities that were disproportionately impacted by environmental pollution and by the climate crisis. And so they asked me, well, how do we diversify our staff and in turn diversify our movement? And so that is actually where my work at Greenpeace started. And when I started at Greenpeace, we were 13% Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Mm -hmm. And today we are 55%. Black wow. people of color. So um, that, that's been a part of the radical transformation that Greenpeace has gone through because it's, it's historically been a white-led legacy environmental organization. And the broader uh, environmental progressive movement has primarily been white-led. But um, to combat the climate crisis, we actually have to go to the folks who are most impacted for the solutions and I think that's a part of the, the progressive environmental movement that that's something that like we're waking up to and realizing that. And so Greenpeace has been on the forefront of doing that work. And so hmm. uh, that, that's how I landed at Greenpeace. Ooh, come on. I love it. And, and, you know, I think any organization, part of what leadership is, is like we tend to reproduce who we are. Right. Like in, in organizations, you uh, and, and so to hear how that has changed because you know and, and that's where in, in my neighborhood i'm looking out the window and 
you know, we've got uh, on the north side of Philly, we're trying to plant uh, community gardens, but we've got a lot of challenges. We got this rat infestation. We've got, you know, the opioid crisis, abandoned house and all that stuff. And across the river, we've got a community in Camden, which at one point was one of the most polluted zip codes in the country. Yes. And uh, not coincidentally, uh, almost entirely African-American community in Waterfront South there, where there's brown fields and uh, uh, toxic sites that dumped right on this, uh, this neighborhood there. So, um, you know, as I, it's incredible to hear about what, what puts the fire in your bones. Cause I think, you know, you're, son's asthma and the neighborhood the communities that you see we i mean of course immediately think of places like uh flint and polluted water but even just right here you know like our right in your backyard in our back i mean our, our schools still have lead in them you know I, this school yeah. right here doesn't even have air conditioning wow. and the, the kids get let out when it gets more than 104 degrees we got wow. money money for bombs and wars but we ain't even got air conditioning in our schools and the, and the roof's leaking in the high school or in the elementary wow. school here so that's you know but that 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 um makes so much sense. And yet when you think of Greenpeace, I think of, and I'm sure some people think of really kind of wild, extreme direct actions that, you know, kind of get the 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 uh, the, the headlines, you know, the resist flag that was dropped yeah. above the White House, the, uh, um, you know, interruptions of folks that are polluting land or poaching whales. I don't know. Those are the things I think of historically. And that's a part of it. I'm a, you know, I've been arrested. We've done a lot of those direct actions. I have friends that have done those banner drops, you know, that, yeah, but, but you're going deeper. It feels like, right. That, that, that it's not like either or, right. But you finding out how we integrate that so that it is about real people in our lives, real communities that, that, that are impacted by environmental racism and things like that. Right. Definitely. Um, you know, we can have the banner drops and, you know, I, I, I often joke with them. Yes, I have participated in civil disobedience and I've been arrested. I tell them all the time, I don't think I'm going to climb um, and hang off the bridge, but I'm right down. I'm, I'm down on the ground with your bail money ready to um, support you in getting out. I'll hold but, your phone um, in your bag. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, if I think about it, um, you know, I, I've I was brought up in the apostolic faith. And um one of the first commandments that was given to Adam and Eve's demand was to take care of the garden mm. to ensure that this beautiful creation that God gave us is sustainable, is resilient, is producing life. And, you know, when we look at fallen creation and just the destruction in the land and, you know, just what you have, you have spoken about, and it's just an ecosystem of that perpetuates destruction, ecological destruction in many different ways. And I, you know, I've said to myself, what is my role mm. in bringing change and breaking the cycle and my faith deeply roots me in that um if we look at the life of jesus he was brought here to break cycles of destruction come on and he has empowered us all to do that and mm. um i never in a million years thought i would find it in um you know greenpeace like you said the the radical organization but you know i i liken it to jesus was a radical come on 
And what he did broke the mold and upset, you know, the 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 government and the administration that he had. Yeah. That, that was over him at the at the time. So I, I kind of look at Greenpeace as like a, a prophetic branch of that. Um, we introduced destruction to break cycles of oppression. Mm. And so we do that in a number of different ways, whether it's through direct action, whether it's going deep into communities, working with them, partnering with them, figuring out different tools, different ways to collaborate um, so that we can bring systemic change because that's what we need now. Oh, come on. You're getting to preaching right now. And uh, listen, y'all, if you're just joining us, I'm Shane Claiborne hosting the show with uh, this wonderful uh leader of Greenpeace, Ebony Twilly Martin. She's the co-executive director, Greenpeace US, and uh, doing amazing work. We're, we're getting into the faith, though, and I want to keep talking about it because there's a lot of us that are fueled by our faith, but we, and, and you included. And when we, when we were together, Ebony, you said that uh, sometimes you'll put emails out to your staff uh, that will have a Bible verse or a prayer in it or something. And I'm sure some of them are like, wow, I hadn't uh, you know, this is different. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sure many of them, their experience with Christianity uh, in particular uh, is probably not often a positive one because in so many ways we've been, many Christians have been a part of the problem rather than the solution when it comes to the environmental crisis. So talk a little bit more about what that looks like though. Is there an openness to folks that may not share your faith that are supporters or staff of Greenpeace, they, I'm sure they love you. So they honor that you're fueled by your faith, but um, do they see, are they seeing a version of Christianity that does care about environmentalism? You know, and that's why I think I'm also placed here to be that ambassador, to open that door, to create um, different ways of looking at um, what we label as a Christian and um, I'll even tell you, like, the organization to me has gone through a transformation. You know, when I first started, you know, you heard um, comments, oh, we don't believe in that. Oh, you know, those are those people. And, you know, I would have to question people, what, what do you mean by those people? You know, um, also understanding, like, at the end of the day, um, those followers of Christ, like I said, we want to break the systems of oppression that have um, that have have like just caused systemic burdens in a number of ways. And one of Greenpeace's mission is to combat the climate crisis. Now, forty six percent of Americans are affiliated with faith. 76% of Americans now believe that climate change is real and want to do something about it. So there's an overlap right there. Are we speaking to those communities? Have we automatically discounted them? Are there not avenues and ways in which we can connect and find common ground and common value? Um, I think, and it's up to us as, as believers to go into these spaces where we aren't necessarily welcomed or where we are viewed in a certain light and to be that light and to be that, that soul and to change the atmosphere. Um, you know, my friend often says we are not um, thermostats. 
Mm. or thermometers. We are not thermometers, but we're thermostats. We go in and regulate temperatures. Right on. Yeah. So um, that that's kind of what I see my role in the broader movement. Mm. And you know, I, it's I think it's important to begin by saying that uh, it's understandable that a lot of people have a distaste for Christianity um, mm-hmm. from what they've experienced. I mean, you grew up in the Pentecostal church or the Apostolic church. I I grew up um, kind of in all kinds of different spirit, Christian spaces, but in the Bible Belt. And what I began to see is that a lot of Christianity was about promising people life after death, mm-hmm. while there's a whole lot of people asking if there's life before death, right? Like we're, 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 we're telling people that they can go to heaven when they die and ignoring the hells that they're living in right now. But when you look at G- Jesus's words, I mean, you, you already got into it. Jesus. Jesus is talking about day laborers and widows and orphans and unjust yes. judges and yes. uh, vineyard workers. And, and, and he's talking, and when he talks about the kingdom of God, which is, you know, kind of feels like old language to us, but it was about God's dream coming on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he says, right? That we're, yeah. we're not just using our faith as a ticket into heaven and an excuse to ignore the world we live in. But that's the version a lot of people have heard. Even worse than that, you know, I, I heard, Ebony, I heard one preacher say, this world is not our home. That's why I can drive an SUV because I'm quickening the second coming of Christ. I mean, literally this, I would say it, it, it's- Out a, of it's world. Terrible theology. Not even, not even biblical. Right. I mean, of all people that should care for the earth, you would think that folks that are worshiping the creator, right? <laughs> that we should care about the creation. And this whole story, it begins in the garden. But if you read the whole story in, the, in Revelation, it's actually uh, this city that is brought to life, that yeah. the vision of it is the new Jerusalem on earth, right? Where the tree of life is there and the river of life. It's mm. all about life flourishing. And, and, and that's, that's kind of what we're meant to be about. Right. And and, and that, that's, so that it makes the work of Greenpeace be a natural partner, like trying to interrupt the things that are destroying the earth, but are also destroying vulnerable people. Cause we kind of dump that wherever. And I think of these communities, like uh, Jesus people against pollution. I visited down South and the, the agent orange from the war, was buried in their community and spilled wow. out. I mean, it makes me sick at my stomach just remembering that, you know, but yeah. there's a connection between all of these different issues, right? The militarism and the pollution and the destruction of the earth and, and your work kind of encompasses all of that. So it's deeply spiritual work, really. It is. And it, um, it, you know, I prayed about it and it's, it's, I, th- I think the last time we were together, you know, um, one of my favorite Bible characters is Esther. Mm. And Esther also challenged systems of oppression um, for her people and also brought about a change um, and even an administration and, and ensuring um, her people were, were cared for. And her the line that that always sticks with me is for such a time as this. I am here for such a time as this. And so when I wake up every morning, that's what I repeat to myself, even in those times where it feels because, um, you know, you're looking at some of the rulings from the Supreme Court and what just happened with the um, 
the EPA and even even the government's oversight of the pollution that the, that these companies put out. And I'm, you know, and it's easy sometimes to get um, to, to to lose hope. But I'm remember I remember and I remind myself that I'm here for such a time as this. And mm. my my um, desire is to bring and 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 create a larger movement that knows that they're for here for such a time as this. Mm. And we mm. can bring change. Yeah. And we do need um, to honor the urgency of what's at stake right now, you know, and and. Uh, when, when Dr. King said, you know, 50 years ago, uh, these are extreme times that we're living in. The question isn't whether or not we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists will, will we be? Extremists for love or extremists for hatred? Mm -hmm. And Jesus flipped some tables in the temple. I mean, he, he flipped them he, tables, didn't he, Brother Shane? He, he disturbed the peace a little he bit. You know? And so uh, you don't get locked up and executed for just doing charity, right? I okay. Mean, uh, Okay. He's calling out the systems, right? And and, yeah. and and yet he had that tenderness too to weep over Jerusalem because they didn't know what would bring for peace. So I'm always praying now I would have the tenderness, but also uh, the holy anger, right? Yes. And, yes. and Greenpeace really seems to have um, those, you know, in the DNA. So tell us what, what you know, and we got a few minutes left. Tell us what's on the horizon under your, you know, your leadership ideas that y'all are thinking about within... Greenpeace, uh, and, and even how it might intersect with some of us uh, people of faith that might want to engage in new ways with what you're doing. So right now, thank you so much for that question. So right now we are on a mission to build power. And how do we build power? It's through, um, through people, because any, um, any movement that's happened in this country has been propelled through people and also through faith faith-based people that has brought change. If we look at the women's suffrage movement, if we look at the civil rights movement, there has always been a foundation of faith. So some of the things that Greenpeace is working on in the future is we want to have, we want to create a Greenpeace clergy council where we're inviting uh, leaders of faith and their organizations um, to start to think about and strategize and conspire. How can we um, bring environmental justice to the communities that are most impacted? And we have an initiative that we're putting together now. So Brother Shane, I'm going to call you and I'm going to yep. ask you to share with your listeners. It's called uh, Planets in the Pulpit. Planets Ooh. in the Pulpit, where we specifically want to go into churches and start to discuss with folks um, how we're looking at combating the climate crisis and how that aligns with that good book and what we've been called to do ultimately and finding our purpose in that. It's so good. And, you know, we're, I think we're all trying to do our little uh, uh, part of the uh, of, of what it's going to take to, to, you know, do a better job at caretaking for the creation, as you said, was one of our original vocations we're given by God is to care for this earth. So, you know, I've got my vermicompost and my worms back here. We got a compost and toilet, Ebony. We got, we got all our community gardens we're trying to do, gray water systems, all that stuff. But we also 
have got to do the work to interrupt and co confront the systems because yeah. we can we can make good personal choices. You know, I we we've got a sound system we use for our block parties. I mean, it runs off a bicycle, so the bike. Wow. Comes, so we're like, if you want the DJ to keep you, you got we got to have somebody riding the bike over here. Get on the bike. Uh, so we we got it. We need that creativity. We need yeah. to to get our hands in the dirt and plant community gardens. But we've also got to do this work, right? Which Jesus yeah. also did. Yeah. Which is to confront the, what the scripture calls the principalities and powers that we're not up against flesh and blood, not just people, Spiritual but things that are, are destroying uh, yeah. our earth. And it's bigger than people, right? Because yeah. people's hearts can be converted in those systems, uh, corporations, those structures, those things that are, that are destroying life continue to do it. So uh, I, I love it. I'm, I'm so glad to know, and I'm sure so many people listening are so glad to know that you are there and respecting those who don't share your faith, but also not being ashamed about no, your own faith. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Work. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Well, you got any closing words for us in the last minute here, Ebony? We've been talking to Ebony Twilley Martin, the co-executive director of Greenpeace. It's been an incredible uh, half hour flew by, but you got any closing words for us? Brother Shane, just thank you so much for having me here. And for all your listeners, I invite you come to join, go to our website, www.greenpeace.org. There is room <laughs> at the cross or and Greenpeace for you, as they would say. Um, and we're just so excited about the movement that we can build so that we can ensure a clean, just planet and future for our children. Let's do it. Come on, y'all. And, uh, you know, as we think of, of uh, what it looks like to be God's people seeking God's kingdom, one of my neighbors said it well, Ebony, we're out here in the garden and uh, uh, you know, we, she said, I, I get what we're doing. I said, what? She said, we're trying to bring the Garden of Eden to North Philadelphia. That's right. That's so right. That's what we're asking y'all. What would it look like for God's dream to be realized on your block, in your neighborhood, in your city? It doesn't look like uh, kids that don't have the resources that they need in the school. It doesn't look like people getting shot in our streets. It doesn't look like these wars that are destroying so many lives, these corporations that have more money than they can imagine. So let's keep seeking the kingdom of God on earth. Ebony, thank you for showing us what it looks like. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.